All right, welcome back into Content Is For Closers. We've got a great episode for you today. Seamus is following a trend. Listen, here on Content Is For Closers, we're always on the lookout for up and coming talent, for uh, the the uncovered gemstones, if you will. And I just wanna brag on us for a second. So we've got a, f- a few people who have been on this show and gone on to do some incredible things, primarily because they were on this show. We could start with uh, Landon Campbell, he was on the show and then soon after got a job with Inside.com and is now the GM of Drive Capital in Chicago. We've got Rachel Braun, who came on, also went and worked for This Week in Startups soon afterwards. Of course, Steph Smith, who was basically unknown before she came on this podcast and then, and then went and worked for A16Z. I mean, the, last week, we had John Sherman from Practical Golf. John was on the show. And then the next week, he won the club championship at a pretty prestigious golf course up in the Northeast. I, I could go on and on, but Carlton, I, I, there's a trend here. Am I right? Yeah, there obviously is. I'm, I'm kind of wondering what's going to happen with me now. And now that I've been on the show for a little bit, I'm just waiting you have. for my big break. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Last it, week about your famous friends, one of them is going to, you know, soon you're going to be famous yourself. Yeah, I think there's, there's some really good things in this episode, too. And, and I'm going to hand it to Seamus because I taught, I, I've mentioned this before, but I taught high school and it's kind of rare to see the amount of drive that he has at, at such a young age. And, but, but I, I love it. I, I absolutely love and respect kids who don't listen to, you know, the, the, the idea that you have to do things you know, in normal order or at, you know, for your age, you need to be going, just going to high school and playing sports or doing different things. I, I love the fact that he is really grabbing life by the horns and, and going with it. What's so great about Seamus. And I think anyone who's truly great has these blinders on there's times in the episode where I kind of try to allude to what you just talk about. Like, I'm like, you know, how does it go with your friends or what do they think? Or, you know, do you have other friends who are, who are doing this with you? And it, it didn't even phase him to say like, Oh no, you know, my friends think it's weird or whatever. He's just like, you know, well, my tasks are, and my objectives are these. And so that's what I'm going to do. And hopefully eventually other people will probably, you know, (laughs) figure out they, they want similar things. And uh, it's pretty cool to see, you know, somebody who's so driven, like you said, in such a unique way, like there's kids who are driven with sports or whatever, but Seamus is focused on his career as eventually an investor, as a content creator. And, uh, and he's doing a great job with the MBIT podcast along the way. So yeah, we got into a lot of that. We talked about how he's building his brand, how he's getting access to some of the people that he's interviewing, which is crazy for, for his age and for where he is in the stage of his career. The fact that he even is like, I don't even think I used the word career when I was, until I was like in my 20s. So it's just insane what he's done. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. Let's jump into the episode. Put that content down. Content. For closes on. What's your name? Content. That's my name. <laughs> you know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. Content is for closers. All right, welcome back into Content is for Closers. We've got Seamus Madan here, the host of the MBIT podcast, as well as my favorite and and maybe the only 
high school podcast host that that I now know personally. Thank you for joining the show, Seamus. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure to come on the show. I look forward to talking more, and uh, thanks for having me. Of course. So I feel like we have to start in the obvious place. Most kids, your age, when I was your age, I think I was, I still maybe had a dream of like trying to be like a, a low tier professional athlete somewhere, or, you know, maybe, maybe a, a sports agent or something like that. I don't think I had gotten, I know I hadn't gotten fully immersed in the real business world and definitely not the content world. When most kids your age are in the summer, hanging out, playing, you're, you're recording pods. How, how did this happen? How did you come into, into this world? Yeah, so I think it starts all the way back when I was around 9 or 10. I had an interest in technology, specifically Apple technology. And in the summer, I would visit the Apple store quite frequently. I went to the back of the Genius Bar. And for people waiting, I tried to ask them, what are some of the things that they needed help with to see? It was kind of like a challenge to me to see if I could fix their issue before the geniuses. And I think that kind of led to the domino effect into the podcast and entering the venture capital space. But there's no direct path to that. And then I think the next steps were my dad at the time was building his own startup. It was called Junction Education. And I remember it was like, bring your son to work day. So I step into his office. And there are like three large desks and a small window in the left-hand corner. And on my dad's desk, it was packed with papers and post-its and his screen was filled with tabs and information. And desperate to work there, I thought, hey, this would be really inspiring. So uh, I decided to do some testing, uh, Q&A testing for some of the courseware they were building for The Street and Jim Cramer, some personal finance and investing courses. I sat there for like hours straight just going through. I didn't want to actually stop doing it because I found it so inspiring to do. But then fast forwarding to I think the age of 12 was when I began investing, I guess, same age that Warren Buffett. So he started at 12 as well. But so I started doing some long-term investing. I started with Apple, obviously not financial advice or investment advice, but I started doing that, started reading books like The Millionaire Next Door, going through videos on personal finance and investing. And then later in high school, I went back to my Apple tech roots and started a phone repair business. I ran that for a few months before COVID hit and I wanted to start something else. So the COVID pandemic closed all schools. So I had to, didn't have the opportunity to continue doing that. So I decided to start something else and being inspired by the folks over at Robin Hood Snacks, I decided to start my own business tech mm. podcast. And the best one yet. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so obviously you know about it, the best one yet, T-Boy. They renamed it now, but uh, it's a great podcast. I like to short form content on business news for those of you who don't know. And then I reached out to them and Zev Fima, who's a research analyst for Jim Cramer, I also reached out to, who recommended putting some financial insights at the end of the episodes, which was, I think, the beginning of the pivot for the podcast. So I started the podcast on all news in like three or four minutes. And then I noticed that was super competitive. So that's when I decided to pivot into more insight-based pod. And then right. from there, I decided to do everything insights. So I would start interviewing people in spaces I was interested in that recently included venture capital. But at the time, it was startups and business and people developing really cool projects and everything like that. And then I just work on growing that podcast from there and just meeting more and more people. Cool. A few things I want to dig into. First of all, did you, did anyone take you up? Did they let you fix your, their computers while they were in line at the genius bar? Yes, I did. I, I actually do remember this was one lady that was there. She had an iPhone and it wasn't turning on. 
and it was having some glitches. I don't remember the exact problem, but it was having some glitches and she was waiting there for a few minutes. I noticed because I was playing with the other technology in the store. <laughs> so I walked up and said, hey, I think I can help you with that. So I tried doing some hard resets and stuff that I've learned on the internet by myself. And I fixed the problem in like less than a few minutes. And then the genius came over very quickly after I was fixed the problem. He's like, hey, what do you need help with today? And she's like, oh, I I'm all good. This kid just fixed it out for me, but thank you. <laughs> but yeah, that was one interesting and funny story that I remember. That's great. And then you talked about the influence that your dad being a startup founder had on you. He was building a company. What was there, Were there any other things that he did whether it be bringing you in, like you mentioned, or incentivizing you to start your own projects or anything like that, that you feel like helped cultivate that, that interest and that, that desire at such a young age? Yeah, I think both of my parents have been very encouraging from a young age to always try new things. That included any types of sports from soccer to basketball to golf to any types of projects and, and events to do, whether that be technology or a whole host of other things. But yeah, my parents have been super inspiring, especially my mom. She's also did some stuff and continues to do some stuff, helps people out who were in the 9-11 crisis as well in terms of lungs and whatnot. I don't know the exact wow. stuff because I'm not yeah. in the medical field, but yeah. And then my dad, I think I noticed when he would travel to and from the city, he'd be wearing a suit and tie. And I thought it'd be super cool to just be in that business field, be in that hustle. And yeah. uh, I wanted to be a part of that uh, culture. and be with him doing that. So I think that I found super inspiring. I wanted to jump into the work field as soon as I possibly could. I remember telling my parents and they're like, oh, you're going to miss being a kid. I'm like, I want to do it now though. But, but yeah, I think that was, that was a couple of the things that have been very inspiring. So, so you're a golfer. Are you a golfer now? Yeah, yeah. I do play some golf. I've played in some, I think these things called TGA championships and we play golf rounds with a four, some four or five people. I did that a few years ago back for five years, I believe. I won six consecutive trophies, so first and second, wow. I believe. And I think one of the, my favorite stories was probably not the time when I won first, but probably second. And I won second. And that that's because, so we're in a group of four people. And it was my favorite because at the beginning and in the beginning to mid of the season, I believe it was the spring, we were all the way at last place out of all the other groups and competitors. And we're like, it, and at that point, it's statistically impossible to reach first place. But we're like, hey, we can, we can get this done. So I decided to try to take the lead with the team and try to work with them on some of the other skills and some of the younger folks there on how to read the greens and how to try to get a good lie on the golf ball and the rough and the different parts of the golf course. And hopefully to try to help improve everybody's skills on the team, build some team building communication and leadership so that we can all work together to try to get to that place and just have a good time while we're doing it. And we continued to do that, continued to try to improve. We actually ended up getting, as I mentioned before, like second place in that. And I think that was a really good team building activity that we enjoyed doing. But yeah, it was fun. I continue to play golf today, especially with my dad every once in a while. Cool. over in the summer as well, especially. And it's super fun sport that I enjoy doing. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I wish I would have picked it up younger. I was into the more just, you know, normal basketball, baseball, et cetera, but I've picked it up now and you can see I've always got some type of club with me to, to try to improve over time, but it's a, it's a fun sport. It reminds me a lot of business in a lot of ways. 
last question here from kind of your background that you, you, you shared with us. So you mentioned Warren Buffett, you talked about starting at his age. Is that, was that intentional? Is that somebody that you specifically, I mean, everybody looks up to him, but is that somebody that you specifically resonate with in some way or, or some part of his story just has connected with you? Yeah, I noticed he would start. So when I was reading a little bit about his story and from what I remember, he would start reading investing books and personal finance books, I believe from 11 or 12 years old. And I thought that was super inspiring, especially where he's at today to be able to get to that level from a young age. And he didn't come from a wealthy background or anything like that. So I thought it was cool to be able to go from like ground zero and build your way up to success. And I didn't intentionally start at 12, but I did recognize that, hey, I'm now around the same age as Warren Buffett. When he started investing, it would be really cool part of my story to start at 12 and say that I think the number one thing that I wanted to start investing with as well, uh, the reason why Apple, obviously I was super passionate about it, but I thought it was super cool to own part of a company. And I tried to use it as more like a little bit of a brag. So like sometimes when we go to the <laughs> Apple store, I'd try to calculate the math on how much of the store I owned and say, hey, I own this amount of the store. Obviously, I don't think it was very accurate, but it was kind of funny. It was something that was really cool because I was inspired by Apple a lot growing up in their products. And yeah, I think that's where it all started. Yeah, that's that's so fun. So fast forwarding to today, you obviously m- kind of mentioned you started your podcast during COVID. But why specifically did you start your podcast? I think you could have, you know, especially it's curious, someone your age, I feel like the, the gut intuition a lot of times would have been to go all in on Instagram or YouTube or, and you might be doing those things as well, but you see less young pot, like very young podcasters. And so I'm just curious what drew you to the medium and, and kind of why did you decide to kick off that show? Yeah, good question. So I think I've always been very vocal about opinions and stuff that I've been learning from a very young age. And I'm always curious about learning new things. And when it came to learning new things from other people, I thought, yeah, I could technically do that through a blog and try to do some text and try to email them questions and have them send it back. But I thought podcasting was the best medium to do so and the best medium to get engaged with people farther along in their journey. You mentioned Instagram. So for example, Instagram at the time when I started, it was mainly there. I don't believe Instagram Reels was as big back then. So it was mainly just photos of people enjoying their lives or whatever. And I thought to try to, I had a lot of perspectives and I took a micro and macroeconomics course that I was learning about personal finance. And in Instagram, I could have a couple of graphics, but I wanted to get really deep in there. I remember when I did some analyze analyzation of the GameStop uproar. And I spent like hours doing research on it and how it affected the market dynamics in the future. And I think the best way to have done that would either be through YouTube videos or through podcasting. And at the time, I decided podcasting would be the best and most enjoyable way, especially since I've listened to podcasts like the Robin Hood Snacks podcast before. And I thought it was a pretty cool way to start my journey. But yeah, I think that's where it all started. And what's unique about your show is a, you know, the, I would say the subject matter from, from a younger voice. So I feel like the analysis is something that's very, you, you digest it for the audience and then you give it in a way that is understandable and relatable for most people. Some T-boy-esque in, in, in ways there. And then the other thing that I think is, is really unique about it is just your guest list. I mean, you, you don't miss, you know, when it comes to, uh, to getting A-list types of guests on there. And I would imagine that's a huge benefit for for having the show 
building out your network and building out your future network. But talk a little bit about that. Tell us about how you get these guests. What are you, what are you doing that's so impactful when you're, when you're building your show? Because a lot of people try and are not able to get guests like you have been able to. Yeah, good question. So I actually started out trying to reach with top level guests and I reached out to Mark Cuban. He declined to do an interview. I reached out to some of the other big people in the business space I've looked up to who are very wealthy or very far accomplished in their careers. And I don't think I heard a response back from a single one of them. I reached out out to like 20 or 50 people, didn't get a single response, nothing. So then I started doing some research on other podcasts and other guests. And I try to figure out why are the guests coming onto their show and instead of this one. And I realized pretty quickly that that show has built an audience and is providing value to them. So for example, if it's an entrepreneur building a new startup, they could start advertising it or bringing their startup on what they're doing on that show to an audience, right? And try to advertise it that way. And then I'm like, okay, so now I have to figure out a way to provide value. So I thought considering uh, the age I was at, which I believe it was 15, 16 at the time, um, the best way to provide value in the most unique way from other the other 850,000 podcasts out there is to do it from a young next generation perspective. So it, for people who wanted to reach the next generation, have their topics, have their views and what they've learned to reach the next generation, inspire the next generation, this would be the perfect place to do that. And everyone who's very successful always was young at some point. So they always have some sort of feel of what it was like to be a young hustler and stuff like that. So I decided, hey, this is a great place to try to reach that next generation. So I started trying to reach out to people who are very early on. So very early startups who are just starting out doing some pretty interesting stuff. And then I started having them on the podcast and then using their names and the other brands that they've developed to reach out to people higher up on the list. And I just kept climbing and climbing and climbing until I reached people like Tim Draper and Mark Cuban and Spencer Raskoff to go through that. But I think the number one thing is just to provide value to an audience that's new and hasn't been sought before. Like, for example... I think Mark Cuban, when he was doing Cost Plus and currently is doing Cost Plus, which makes affordable medications, the value add to him was for the podcast was growing pretty quickly. The brand was going pretty quickly and he was able to reach the next generation on the issues with the Medicare system. Like, I don't know how many people in my school are reading Forbes and New York Times that often. So it was a great opportunity for him to reach that next generation, along with a lot of other VCs or startup founders who are very far in their journey to help inspire that next generation. But I think that I think in terms of the Ambit podcast, that was the value add there. But I think for every podcast, it's different. And I think you just got to find your niche and what you're able to have value other than the other podcasts out there. Yeah, incredible. You mentioned your school there. Do you have any other friends who are aware of what you're doing? Or do they do they want to be a part of what you're building? Yeah, so I do have friends that know what I've done, I am doing and currently doing, and they find it super cool and inspiring and stuff like that. But they're pretty much on their own path, and pretty much everybody in high school is trying to figure out their own thing and trying to do their own thing. So I don't know if they necessarily are interested in being a part of it, but they definitely do find it kind of kind of neat. Yeah, it's cool. It's just such a different path, but it's it's a we we had a similar sort of. I was part of a chess club which I don't, I haven't talked about a ton, but the, 
you know, the equation of people who are in that chess club to people who went on and graduated college and, and got good jobs out of our little high school there was very high, especially compared to the rest of the student body. And I could imagine if you ever started or were a part of some type of high school business organization that that would probably have a, a very high correlation higher than, than my chess club. So I was just curious. We'll have to, we'll have to, maybe you'll start one and then we'll look back and be like, Hey, everyone <laughs> at these tech companies all was in Seamus's tech club or, or, or was part of a podcast somehow. So you're, you're doing this now. What grade are you in currently? Currently in 12th grade. Yeah. Going into 12th, 12th yeah. grade. Okay. So last year of high school, next, you know, next steps in life, whatever they look like are coming pretty quickly. What's your goal specifically for the podcast and then, you know, for your career on the whole, how do you plan on leveraging this as you move forward? Yeah. So for the podcast, my goal is just to impact as many people's lives as possible at scale. So I first started doing it with around eight or 10 listeners, and now it's a few thousand, but to keep growing that and keep impacting people's lives at scale. So I think to continue for the podcast side, to continue out that growth journey, take advantage of other mediums. For example, I know YouTube Shorts has been growing super quickly. So I have not taken advantage of that as much as I could. So I'm going to start taking advantage of platforms like those to, I mean, that's where the next generation is hanging out. So it's a perfect place to help with that growth journey as well. And yeah, so I think, and then in terms of career goals, um, I think, you know, I'm a venture fellow at Blitzcoin Ventures. They're backed by the co-founder of LinkedIn. So I found venture capital to be something pretty interesting as well, to be able to back founders who are working to change the world and make impact as well on com on the community, on local communities, on international communities, et cetera. So I think it, my career path, hopefully, I don't know exactly what it is, but I do know sure. it probably be, whether it be diving in deeper into venture capital and either being part full-time of a VC firm along with the podcast as well, continuing to bring, brand, build out that brand. And then, uh, or it could be starting a startup and, or something like that. But I think it would definitely still be in that VC startup area. Very cool. Do you plan, are you planning on doing any, any more school when you finish high school? Yeah, I do. I plan to go to school as well. And hopefully also am interested in business school as I think it's really important, especially, you know, if you're a VC and if you decide to invest in late stage companies, it could be very important to understand like operational strategy and the in-depth of a business and how to make it more efficient, especially when providing guidance to either late stage founders who this might be their first company or whatever it might be. So I think definitely going to through school and continuing that into business school would be a valuable into my career. I mean, you have to have one of the, one of the great entrance letters or whatever they call those things. Just list your guests. Like, listen, this is what I've built. This is what I've done. Like you should be getting me your, your business school is going to get better awareness by having me as part of the student body and my podcast there than, than it would otherwise. I think you, you got a leg up there. So as we're kind of coming to the end here, what trends you mentioned, YouTube shorts, you you've done a lot of podcasts, you've done a lot of stuff in the, in the VC space. What are you excited about right now? What are, maybe what is something that you have from your perspective that like the 45 year old marketing manager, you know, may not be paying attention to, or may not have noticed that you think is a trend or something that, that, you know, businesses could take advantage of when it comes to content. Yeah. So in terms of content now, I don't know what these marketing managers do. I'm not too on what they do. So I wouldn't 
be able to give them advice on what they should be doing. But anyway, I think one thing that is super important, and I was reading Jonah Berger's book from Wharton. He's a professor of marketing over at Wharton. And I think storytelling can be super uh, important and valuable, especially in marketing and especially doing that in either TikToks or YouTube shorts or Instagram reels or whatever platform that might be. But being able to tell stories is it, it just increases engagement, right? So if you start off with a quick little hook that asks a question, I know one media brand does this very well. It's called Our Future by Michael Sikand. And I've talked to him. I've had conversations with him. He's a great guy. And what he's done, he's built the brand to over 350,000 YouTube shorts, YouTube subscribers, and he's done that all through YouTube shorts. And in the beginning, one of the things I've noticed is he'll have a statement. And in that statement, you end up subconsciously asking yourself, how did that happen? Or how could they have gotten to that level? That makes you want to watch the rest of the 30 second video. So I think that's going to be super important to make sure we can not just develop basic hooks that are that just ask a question, but develop creative ones that make the listener ask themselves a question that make them want to listen to the rest of the video or content or whatever it might be. And another thing that I found pretty important, especially in the short form content, is making sure you know the video changes quite frequently and there's a, always a, something going on so that the listener doesn't diverge or keep scrolling because it's very easy. They only have to move their finger like two or three inches and they're no longer watching your video. Right. I think Mr. Beast has, uh, or over Jimmy from Mr. Beast has done this very well, is his editor sometimes, I was watching a podcast, they go through, it takes over a week to go through just one of these 30 second YouTube shorts. That's because if you see the amount of things happening in just one second, it's like five or six things happening in a second. And it keeps the listener so far engaged because they're always trying to continue to watch what's the next thing happening, what's the next thing's happening. There's enough things going on that doesn't make them lost in the future. So I think that's going to be really important, keeping the listener engaged through creative hooks that are not just questions, but making the listeners ask questions, and then just making sure that content tells a story. Yeah, I think that that would pretty much be the two big things. What was the the name of the creator you said that does the shorts. Yeah. Michael Sikand. I can connect you with him if you want, but yeah, Michael Sikand from our future. Yeah, we should, uh, we'll link that in the show notes below for anyone who, who wants to see those. You said 350,000 just on shorts. Yeah. That's, just on shorts. Yeah. I think he's got over a hundred, 200,000 on TikTok. He's got multiple different verticals. He's got like our future stories. He's now building our future finance and uh, he's really just blitzscaling or moving it really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, cool. Seamus, we really appreciate you coming on sharing your story. It is awesome to see someone who is pursuing their passion as aggressively as you are. And we're all going to be continuing to follow your, your story and your journey as you work through the next several years. If people want to hear your show or follow you, what's the best way for them to get connected with all the things that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my website is just mbitpodcast.com. Or if you're interested in just checking out the podcast, you can just search up MBIT podcast on pretty much any podcast player. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. I also have MBIT Shorts on YouTube. And uh, I'm also on Twitter at MBIT podcast. My, ha- my name is Seamus Medan, but the handle is at MBIT podcast. And you can pretty much find all those interviews and all the content I'm doing pretty much all through that platforms. 
to hear next generation guests like, for example, Tim Draper, Mark Cuban. I recently had the former board member of Goldman Sachs and Target and CEO of Medtronic on the podcast. So to hear those types of interviews for the next generation, if you're interested, feel free to check it out. Medtronic, that's one of my, like you own Apple stores, I own Medtronic. So that's it. I'll have to go hear how my ownership's doing. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Seamus, and hopefully we'll stay connected. Talk to you soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for bringing me on. It was a great conversation. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this episode of Content is for Closers. We hope you find this show really helpful as you grow your business with content. Maybe you know of other people who would find this show helpful as well. How about you send them our way? If you didn't like this show and you want to tell us that, then you can head over to contentisforclosers.com where you can send us a message, give us some feedback, ask questions, or find detailed notes for every episode. Until next time, keep creating and keep closing. Keep closing.